Seems like it was only a few days. It was. Hello, and welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast by horror fans for horror fans. We discuss horror movies of all eras. But I don't want to do a podcast. (laughs) We want to talk about comedy. Um, We're not critics, and we're going to spoil these movies. Um, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song at the beginning of the show, Intro Creature Features. You can find them on iTunes or Amazon, and you can find them on Facebook where they are, the Moon-Rays. We are your hosts. I am Richard, and with me are Will and Jolian. Um, it's all downhill from there. We're on Stitcher. Do you remember me saying I was trying to get Stitcher. us on Stitcher? It's a basically a podcast directory. I thought, you know, I never got that email. I never did. And I went and searched us, and we pop up on Stitcher, so... Oh. Yeah. If you prefer Stitcher, people go find us there, too. All right. (laughs) As long as we're not on Tinder. That would be weird. (laughs) That would be weird. (laughs) Especially uh, considering there's three of us. All right. um, What have you watched recently? Well, (laughs) I've been on a couple of uh, long flights recently. Uh, I've seen a lot. In uh, in a feature that we can entitle "Shakes on a Plane," um, <laughs> so I've I saw great movies like Triple uh, Nine. Have you seen that one? Crime no. movie. Um, Point Break, the remake. Oh, oh man, really? Yeah. How was it? Was it what you expected? <laughs> yeah, it's like a string of extreme sports videos. Oh, I'm very nicely shot. But, it was know, a Mountain Dew commercial. Get to see some landscapes and stuff. Yeah, you know? uh, saw so a Ten Cloverfield Lane. You saw that one. Yeah. yeah. How did you like you, our you, movie? You both seen that one, right? right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I thought it was a good chamber piece. I didn't know what it was trying to say. Uh, yeah, I don't um, know what it was trying to say either. Uh, not so keen on the ending. Yeah, I didn't care for the ending. That's but, what we uh, talked it was about. Pretty. It was pretty well done. A little. Yeah. Kind of reminded you of. You know, like rope and mm-hmm. it's kind of Hitchcocky and thrillers mm-hmm. in one room. <clears throat> I was yeah. going to say what I was trying to say to us was there may or may not be a bomb under the desk. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. In terms of Jean, oh, I saw the Bronze Buckaroo, which is an all-black western, nineteen thirty-nine. That wasn't on the plane. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's one called Harlem on the Prairie, and that had been pretty successful. So they made this one called the Bronze Buckaroo. Hmm. Um, it's pretty bad and it's just under an hour long but it was a long just under an hour long (laughs) my uh, and it kind of stops in the middle just stops dead for this whole long thing about a a talking donkey Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
And there's my favorite line in it is, uh, "Gun, I want to send a message, and I don't want no answer." All right. Uh, <clears throat> see what else? I saw the uh, Stepford Wives, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. Seen that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've not seen the remake years ago, and I've not seen any of the sequels, the TV sequels, and so on. Yeah. But the original, I always like watching that one. Yeah. It's like a uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, seventy-five. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking for me, Mr. Goodbar. Have you seen that one from '77? Uh, I've never it seen sounds that. Sounds very one. familiar. Yeah. Uh, it's... Does it have Barbara Hershey in it? <laughs> who is in that? Is it Diane Keaton? Uh, who's the one? Who's the one who got the Oscar for Annie Hall the same year? Uh, I, I think it was Diane Keaton. That was Diane Keaton. Yeah. So she's this. Uh, she teaches first grade by day, and then at night she just goes out to these clubs and just picks up guys. Okay. And uh, it's based on an actual case from the early 70s. But it's one of those really dark, you know, in terms of how it looks and, and the whole tone of it. New York movies of the 70s. Nice. Sleazy. Sleazy New York. Sleazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's good stuff. Really early Richard Gere uh, movie. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Uh, Run All Night, which is a thriller with um, Liam Neeson. He's just so good at that, isn't he? He's, mm-hmm. he's got that kind of axe profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, was, that was quite fun. Uh, Joyride, 2001, uh, which has uh, it's the one where they get chased around by a truck. Oh, it's okay. Kind of, it's kind of want to be dual, but yeah, it's not. It starts out all right, but it just kind of loses it after a while. But it's got Lily Sibisky, who, who you remember as Sister Honey in Wicker yes. Man. Yes. <laughs> I'll have to watch that. Uh, the Last Witch Hunter uh, from last year with uh, Vin Diesel. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Skip that one. It's, yeah. I, I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, Sinister 2 from last year. Have you seen that one? No, I think I have that DVR'd from about a year okay. ago. Okay. <laughs> Sinister 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Uh, yeah, it's not as good as the first one. It's got a good cast in it. The Sinister One. Yeah. Um, uh, it's got a good bit with like these shadows in a hallway in a church. I like that one, that bit. Um, yeah, it was okay. And Poltergeist from last year. The remake? Yeah, it, it was made in 3D. So there's lots mm. of horror in the Z-axis. Mm. Um, do, you, do you get uh, Insidious and Sinister mixed up at all? No, Sinister is the one where they keep all the lights off all the time, you know. Oh. Just so dark. So I've, I've seen none of them. Oh, have you seen the first Sinister? No. That one's pretty good. It's got a good like, atmosphere of dread. Okay. Um, it kind of... Mm, yeah, it doesn't really uh, pay off that well, but it, it's got a good... You know, and they, they don't have the lights on in the house at all at any time. For mm. some reason, they, have, they never get them fixed. Oh, <laughs> and they just moved into this this pretty new house, and uh, yeah, for some reason they never get around to fixing the lights, so it's just inky black all the time. Oh man, it's cheaper to film. <laughs> <clears throat> um, when it's just me at home, I, I just have uh, most of the lights off because I don't care. Yeah, it's like I have the TV on for background noise all the time anyway, and I I will put on something interesting and kill most of the lights yeah yeah so i can relate to that movie yeah, i yeah. think the summer yeah we don't turn any lights on if we can help it yeah, you should check out the first one it's yeah got some creepy bits you said sinister right yeah okay. it's, it's got some you know it's a good feeling of dread of what's going to happen 
and uh, um, it's kind of it's got this like m- m- malevolent attitude. It, uh, like part of it is that there's they find these eight millimeter films, um, and by watching them and and that each of them records a, a family getting killed. Mm-hmm. By watching them, they activate the evil and bring the evil into their house. Oh, okay. So it's got the idea of the uh, observation of violence brings it into your yeah. mind, which is a good way of breaking the fourth wall. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's got some really good moments. But Poltergeist, you can, it's so inessential. It's just, oh. really, it's okay, you know, it's kind of <clears throat> bland. It's got Jared Harris in it, who's always good to see. Um, good character actor. But uh, and and it brings in things like a uh, use of iPads and phones and uh, there's even like a drone. So it brings <laughs> in all these like new gadgets. Um, oh boy! Yeah, but you can miss that one pretty safely. Yeah, I was gonna give that one a pass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed the the original a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. and even part two is pretty good. Yeah, I saw the first three. I must have seen all three of them at some point. Yeah. Yeah, but the first one definitely. First one's good, yeah. Don't build a house on a cemetery. <laughs> That's the trouble with this country. It's all built on an Indian burial ground. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like Cheeseman Park. Right, right. Oh, there's a whole bunch of cool, interesting stuff about that. Yeah, that's what the Changeling's based off, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? I didn't yeah. know that. Cheeseman Park. Well, I know that the Botanic Gardens is backed right up against um, what used to be a cemetery that got... Yeah, Cheeseman Park was a cemetery Okay. at one point, and they hired a guy, um, I don't remember, we'll say around 1900 or so. He was supposed to dig everybody up and and move them to the new cemetery, but Mm -hmm. he didn't. He just moved headstones. (laughs) Well, he, he was paid by the coffin, Yeah, wasn't he? So, in order to generate more coffins, he'd split people up. Yeah. So. So it is mass desecration. Oh man. And and, and evidently that was an Indian burial ground before it was a, a, a Denver cemetery or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was the story I heard was about the Botanic Gardens is is right next to like backed up against another uh, cemetery or burial ground and bones surface all the time. Mm. Like people walking their dogs will be like, Hey, my dog picked up this femur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that too. I've also heard when the grass comes in, oh, yeah. you can tell my dog found this humorous. Uh-huh. <laughs> How does he smell? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I can't tell the whole joke or people will die. But. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen? The what? What, what have, have I seen? seen? Yeah. Um, I haven't watched much because it's so hot. I don't <laughs> want to sit in the house at night. So uh, You got the right idea. I go outside until the mosquitoes get me. Um, <laughs> Zika virus. Yeah. Or... Any of the others? Uh, I just Nile. heard that was the the in one. This that's year. the in that, one. That's now, the trendy yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, West Nile is like so 2012. Yeah, don't even think about dengue fever. Oh, yeah, or malaria or Ebola. <laughs> malaria. 
I remember Ebola. Yeah. I remember Ebola. There was a little game for the Mac called Ebola Monkey Bingo. <laughs> and it was great. There was these little cartoon monkeys, rows of them, like a bingo card. Mm-hmm. And you'd click on them and they, they would either go ding and a banana would pop up in their hand. Or they would turn green and it would have some clang kind of noise <laughs> and their eyes would be X's. <clears throat> it was amusing for about five minutes. Yeah. As you would expect. So you, you haven't watched much? or I haven't watched much of anything. Um, How was your reaction to mosquito bites? Do you, do you... I hate the mosquitoes this year. They've really been going after me. And that's why I built a screen patio. Because uh-huh. the mosquitoes are dicks. They're just awful. Well, last night I did watch Cat Women on the Moon. So oh. Ooh, tell us what you thought of that. It was fantastic. Yeah. Watch it twice. I only watched it because, well, one, it came on the YouTube... And my remote controller, or my Xbox controller's batteries died, and I didn't feel like finding new ones. So uh, it started playing. I was like, okay, I guess this is it. And uh, It'll take I, less energy to just watch the movie. I've seen it before, but it's been a long, long time, and I forgot that uh, Marie Windsor's in it, mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of hers. Okay. What else has she done? She was in a noir called Hell's Half Acre. That takes place in Hawaii. One of the best titles ever. Yeah. Uh, she was also in a Roger Corman film called Swamp Diamonds. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's she's a been great a couple title. other things. Yeah, she's in all the best titles. Yeah. So, I think she was like six feet tall or something. That's always remarkable. Yeah. But you know what happens when women are six feet tall? They, uh, they always end up feeling like they need a guy... To be the same even height taller. or even taller, and then their children are taller than them, and it just we end Stop up with it. this race of just, giants. Yeah, <laughs> we need to course correct a little at some point in time. Those damn giants! Stop it! All over San Francisco <laughs> and New York. Hey, is that movie in public domain? It seems like that's one of them. It or, must be. I'm thinking Catwoman of the Moon. Hmm. It's one of those with a similar title, or that one. I suppose we could probably look it up. Well, you know, they made fun of it with Amazon Women of the Moon. Yeah. yeah. I fell asleep before the end, though. <clears throat> and then oh, Because okay. it was very warm in the house. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I fell asleep, and then some trailer came on for another 50s B-movie, and it was super loud! Mm. <laughs> You know, there's something about some of those 50s movies, and, and them it will that we will be talking about is one of them. There's a lot of horn blasts. They were very fond of their trumpets and trombones and French horns, and mm-hmm. they just wanted to let her rip Yeah, at every possible opportunity. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes. I would love a fan edit where they just dial the horns down or replace them with some other noise. Because the movie's great. There's some stuff happening, mm-hmm. and it's just like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like nothing happened, but the horns are blasting in your face. It's distracting. Mm-hmm. But the movie's beautiful. Oh, yeah. So it, it, I, I'm torn about watching it. Whenever I feel like I should watch it, I'm like, do I want horns blasting at me for the next 90 minutes? Mm-hmm. Or 70 minutes, however long it is. Uh, was there anything else that you'd watched? No, that's it. There were two that I watched um, because we had done our heavy metal horror episode, uh, and I was inspired. So I watched <laughs> We Are Twisted Fucking Sister, okay, which is a documentary about how that band uh, 
took, you know, a couple decades to become an overnight success. <laughs> you know, it was one of those kind of deals where they were just really that into it and uh, they never phoned it in. Like every time they would do a performance, they would give it all. And uh, they got on the circuit in the, the whole uh, East Coast area from wherever in New York to wherever in New Jersey that was all the big clubs. Uh, so basically the what they're telling you in this documentary is these guys were just ready to do it and they should have been signed and didn't get signed for the longest time. And opportunities would come up and then slip through their fingers because of something dumb, <clears throat> like an executive getting fired or something like that, who, who was the one that was going to sign them finally. Uh, or a label would just go bankrupt or something. So when did they form? They formed like in the late 70s. Okay. Like mid-70s or late 70s. It was pretty early on. Like they were very inspired by the 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 um the glitter glam kind of scene yeah. so they were they were thinking well the new york dolls got it right except mm -hmm. for that they can't play very well yeah and we play really well so we're gonna do it better and that was kind of their attitude and of course when they finally ended up with d snyder as the front man uh he was just like let's go get it let's hit it hard and he was you know all about it and they did a great job of it but they realized at one point that you know, we're we're really just going to keep doing this really successful club scene forever. And I guess that was a really depressing idea that they could be filling these 3000 seat places a couple few times a week and making a, a pretty good amount of money. But that's all they were ever going to do. And then they finally hit it big for however long they did and they're retiring this year so they're doing like an actual farewell tour they said this is it we're doing it well i thought they would have retired about 30 years ago <laughs> well you know they could have uh they had a lot of success with a couple of those albums but you know they uh they really care about what they do i mean as, as silly as some of it seems with yeah. like the costumes and whatnot they really care about it and, and that comes through on the on the documentary uh, the other one I watched was um, All Good Things Must End, I think is what it's called. It was about the rise and fall of Tower Records. And they started in the 60s. Yeah. And so there was actually some good uh, photos and footage of of the um, the beginning of the, the first store on through it becoming a franchise. And they were everywhere after a while. Yeah. And a lot of people, what came across in the documentary was a lot of people thought that the Tower Records in their city was the first one. And yeah, <laughs> it's like, nope, or the only one. It's like, oh, it's a local thing. But they were all over the place. And uh, it is a bit of a spoiler about the end of this. But, you know, if you were to look they go it up, out of business, they do. <laughs> that's, that's not the spoiler, because everyone knows that they're still in business in Japan. Yeah, there's, they're there's, big I, in Japan one where I lived. <laughs> yeah. And there's 85 cool. of them in Japan. Yeah, had a huge surf section. Oh, that's amazing. The, the Japanese have always kind of really grooved on that whole American culture thing for a oh, while. Oh, yeah, uh, especially with surf. When the Ventures are still touring there. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> None of them are the original Ventures, are they? Uh, There's like one uh, dude. At least one of them is because he came up to where uh, Emily lived and she had to be his translator. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they did like songs for the like the Jap the um the uh, Yomiuri Giants, which is the biggest baseball team 
Oh, oh cool. Okay. It's an awful song. But <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good um, it, it was a good documentary, and uh, one of the coolest things about it was that Elton John basically said, you know this was where I would go to get all my stuff mm. and they always knew what they were talking about and they would take me to not, it. Not the one here. No, this, this was in, uh, San, well, I'm not sure where in California it was. It mm. was probably LA. Yeah. He was in LA or whatever, but they were all, all over California by the time, uh, they were really getting noticed. And Elton John was just all about getting there early and buying. And he would, because he owned two houses, he would mm. buy two copies of everything. <laughs> And sometimes additional copies to give to friends. Right. So he'd say, what's this new album? Oh, yeah, cool. That sounds great. Give me three copies or mm-hmm. four copies. And so he was pretty bummed, of course, when they closed because that, that was his thing for quite a while. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was an interesting doc- documentary. Um, I really enjoyed it. So enough about that. Um, real quick, let's uh, <clears throat> give our condolences to the family of Bill yes. Chili Billy Cardill, who we all know from Night of Living Dead. He was the reporter, and he was one of the zombies, I believe. I think they were all probably zombies. Uh, and they all had multiple jobs making this movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he he um, died today, um, this morning, I guess. And he's no longer with us, but Night of the Living Dead will turn 50 next year. Mm. I think it's next year. Year after. Year after. Yeah. yeah. Two years from now, anyway. And we're yeah. gonna we're gonna see some amazing things uh, with some restorations and whatnot. So he'll live forever, yeah. Or, or at least until all of this turns to dust. So yeah, yeah. I wish he could have seen the restoration, but you know, he, he lived to know that Martin Scorsese was working on the restoration of this yeah. little film he'd been in. Yeah, and there was um, he was pretty old too. Yeah, they. Yeah, he apparently had a. A very good life, but uh, his uh, his daughter Lori Cardill said that we will miss him terribly. But take comfort in the fact that, as he said, I am at peace. I had a wonderful life. And as he signed off on Chiller, as he signed off on Chiller Theater, he always said good night and sleep warm. <laughs> so there you have that. So rest in peace, Chilly Billy. Let's talk about them. Okay. Which them? Them ants or them teens? <laughs> Let's do the French one first. All right. So uh, this was recommended by Gaspar in Slovenia, mm-hmm. not Slovakia. Did he recommend it or just ask about <laughs> no, what he'd seen? He recommended he re- it. Okay. recommended it. And I could see where somebody might really dig this one. Lots of people do. Yeah. Um, apparently you don't like it as much. No, and it's got it's got some good scary moments, but... What don't you like about it? Uh, it? It suffers from that. Uh, the protagonists are just so dumb. I am losing my sympathy for them, which gets worse and worse as it goes along. Oh, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I okay. couldn't find a copy. Do you want us to not ruin the ending for you? No, go right ahead. Ruin okay. it all. The protagonists die. Oh. Horribly. Yeah, I, I knew that pretty early on. It just felt like one of those. It's just like the generation of movies with it protagonist die it's yeah it seemed like it trying to find a copy it was like oh this came out right when Teresa does and yeah everything else was coming out that was kind of torture porn yeah especially at the hands of foreigners yeah so so this one is you've got this couple going out into these woods in some country that's foreign to them and getting harassed and 
Tall straw dogs. Yeah. You know, th- this kind of, as I was watching this, I was asking myself, is this what people deem to be mean-spirited, quote-unquote mean-spirited? Well, it is, there's, there's quite a few, well, not quite a few, but there are several French movies that ha- have a really nasty premise, and they followed through on it. And, um, you know, so you had Inside and High Tension and things like that. Oh, that was the one I was trying to think of. The French um, Extreme, is this what we're yeah, talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, you had to check them out if you're into horror movies that push the boundaries. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I wouldn't rate this as being one of the better ones of that group. Right. Were you watching with subtitles on? Yep. Okay. Did you notice at one point Clementine said, Kiss Kisse? I can't remember it that well. <laughs> and, and I went, well, Psycho Killer. <laughs> I mean, honestly, was that line planted for that reason? Probably. Like, does that not evoke? Do you know why he did that in this song? No, I don't it, know it's why. It's just like that some, some people who, who have some kind of brain damage or they've, had, they've been through some kind of trauma or accident will suddenly start speaking in a foreign language. I've heard of that, yeah. And if it's accurate, that's great. And if it's not, it's just gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I've heard of people like get hit on the head and then they wake up and they have a different accent or they can now speak mm-hmm. German or whatever. You're like, yeah. what? I don't know how much of that is real and how yes. much of that is nonsense. Or, or you know, no one at the scene really knowing what German. Yeah, they is. were. They, I think he's speaking German. <laughs> he's just gibberish. He's making lots of guttural noises. <laughs> He's 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 um, he's slain in the spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking through him. He's speaking in tongues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what happens, I think. Yeah. Like, um, I felt like it was your next, only better in a way. Like your next was a little too glossy. This was a little more like they were caught off guard and didn't know what to do. I do feel like they fought back poorly and mm-hmm. I did lose sympathy at a point because I thought here's what I would do yeah. and I don't feel like they were at such a dis- disadvantage um the point at which one of them clocks one of the kids with a fireplace poker I thought well you keep doing that they get yeah. near yeah. you yeah. they get near you you hit them with that right and they will stop getting near you when they run out of people that's, that's the big twist isn't it like they're all like thugs in hoodies Right, and then at a certain point you realize they're teenagers or children. Yeah, they're they're not very old. Like the oldest one was fifteen, I think, is what it said. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was honestly based on a true story. I didn't bother to research it. Yeah, that's what the publicity says. But there's, uh, it has people have tried researching it, and it's not, nothing came up. No. Yeah. Well, more horrible things have happened. Oh, yeah. In the last month than this movie. Mm-hmm. So what I will say about that is. Yeah, it's wretched and awful, but learn to defend yourself a little bit, just a little. You know, that that was disappointing to me, too. I thought, this, what is this, kid 10? Hold him by the forehead. He can't even hit you. Yeah. <laughs> Trip him. Push him over. I beat up some children today. It made my life feel like yeah. it had purpose. So so if you're, if like, the, the idea of children... Because they're, they're basically a bunch of psychopath children. Yeah. Know, they're, they're so self-concerned. They grow up into lovely people, every one of them. But yes. a kid is just concerned with themselves, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so so it can tip over into, like, 
so these horror movies about like killer kids it kind of explores that I, I expect some kids are nice some yeah I haven't met any okay but <laughs> alright I, I just sort of throw that out there just to consult parents it's, it's and stuff it's a good hypothesis but anyway uh, I, I was, you know, if you think of uh, uh, movies about evil kids then there's a lot better ones than absolutely yeah so like uh, the damned movies like Village of the Damned Children of the Damned uh, excellent I like those movies. Yeah. The Bad Seed. The Bad Seed. Yeah. Um and uh I think the uh the ultimate one in in like you know adults faced with having to do violence to kids is uh, Who Can Kill a Child, which is a Spanish movie from the 70s. 1976. Have you seen that one? No, I've not. Oh, I should check it it's out. It's a good informal yeah. survey. Who could kill a child? Who in here could kill a child? Is I that a show of hands? Game well, show for a <laughs> while. <laughs> If, if we were locked in a room with a couple of sledgehammers, I think I'd win. <laughs> I think so. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like the, it's on this like little uh, island off of south of Spain, and uh, uh, these adults find that there's no who this couple who goes to this island finds that there's no other adults about, and so it's kind of got shades of the birds mm-hmm. in there. But uh, yeah. It gets pretty rough. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it's, it says it right in the title what's going to happen. But uh, who can yeah, kill a fifth it's, grader? You know, it's a major taboo that these people would have faced with. So yeah, that one's good. I have to check that one out. Yep, you can borrow that. What right um, What I will say that Ills got correct was uh, not jumping right to the violence and mm-hmm. all that nonsense. I looked at the time code. It was 40 minutes in before the first attack actually happened. Yeah, I like the build-up. Yeah, so it was a good build. Um, the the space they were in, everything was a little more believable by the fact that this place was under restoration. It was a very old mansion of some sort, mm-hmm. and it was huge. Mm-hmm. A lot of different little passages and things that had been opened up and closed up and little hatches here and there. So there were, there were some uh, things that made it believable that somebody could escape if they had half a brain mm-hmm. or um somebody could sneak in if they were determined so um they did ju- judicious uh use of the shaky cam there was some but not too much so i can say that was good because some movies it's just everything feels like it's handheld and that was pretty pretty good that they didn't do that um but uh i have somewhere here in my notes uh in america those would be hillbillies and, and we're not really clear on where these kids are from because they get on a bus. I don't know if they're suburban mm. kids that are bored or if they're like street kids that are just going from one area to another. There are some pretty scary homeless kids mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, whatever country you can name, uh, there's probably some... Antarctica. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> Maybe not so much. <laughs> but that's not a country, is it? No, but okay. it sounded good. <laughs> it was a good gotcha but the, they were they were they were communicating in shrieks and all these guttural noises. Yeah, kind of feral. Yeah, so they seemed like feral kids, but I don't think they really were. It's hard to tell. They didn't really answer that for us. No. They knew how to get oh, on a bus. Mm-hmm. They had sneakers bus and hoodies. Fare. Yeah. Of course, when you beat someone to death, then you can take the money out of their pockets and get on a bus. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you get all their stash. I think their weapons and their money, or is that just video games? <laughs> it was an hour into this movie, and the movie is an hour and thirteen minutes. Um, 
before you see the face of one of the uh, attackers. Okay. And it's a it's a young uh, a young teen, very young teen or maybe preteen, but uh, that's an hour in. So that tells you that they they weren't trying to just do a gore fest. So they okay. they were trying, and um, you know, and I have I have notes here where these just like dumpster punks or society's trash or were they just little suburban assholes and it's hard to tell mm-hmm. um and then of course i also have a note to myself here fuck this ending fuck these kids <laughs> so uh but i will say the the ride was better than the ending and i did i did actually like the movie so um there's that <laughs> but uh, but you wouldn't recommend it having seen this and having stupid sat- pro- protagonist yeah that's what really that did can it for yeah me. that can really it's, kill a movie it's, it's, yeah that's what that's what it did for me it's a cast it's well shot it's got some suspenseful build-up they got a lot right yeah so that, that's probably what made it so disappointing <clears throat> yeah i don't want to get obsessed with the idea of fan edits <laughs> but it's so the same f- with uh, High Tension, which is like another French extreme yeah. film. No, that's that, one that has I've a seen. twist in it where you just want to throw a brick at it. The- yes. My friend uh, my friend Brendan put that in, and we watched it, and I thought it was pretty good. And yeah, mm-hmm. then you hit that twist, and it makes no sense. <laughs> and it couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but... Yeah. Yeah, there were just holes in the logic of the plot that made no sense. Well, now I want to see that one. I've oh, heard yeah. it mentioned a few times. Yeah, just it, just have someone tie your hands down so you don't destroy that lovely yeah, large or TV just, you have. Right. Turn it off, you know, before the the twist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there What's that what's is that called Zero Wolf? That that one uh the Japanese rock band. What is that one called? Oh, uh, Guitar Wolf. Guitar, Guitar Wolf. Wolf. Yes. I was thinking of Zero Wing. <laughs> Guitar Wolf. I have not seen that, but it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. So, should we talk about them? Ants. Yeah. Them ants. Them ants. Okay. <laughs> this is one one of my favorite. Them ants. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a copy to watch, but I've oh, seen well. it numerous times, and I'll Jeez. borrow this one. <laughs> this one right with a colorful. Ironically, a very colorful cover. Yeah. I love the... Kill one and take two, and two take its place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one starred um, The Thing and Santa Claus. It did. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of awesome when I realized... There are lots of good people in this. Oh, yeah. It's a great like, cast. Mostly before they were uh, stars. Everyone who copied this did a half-assed job of copying it. Yeah. But this being the original was awesome. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about, is it 1954? Yep. Yep, 19th of June, 1954. It was Warner Brothers' biggest hit of that year. Wow. Oh, okay. I don't doubt it. People were ready for something like this, and it hadn't happened yet. It was really well done, and like critics reviewed it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good film. Anyone who wants to laugh at the special effects should try to build a giant ant and then go fuck themselves. Yeah. Uh, the ants look great. Yeah. yeah, they look fine. There's you the, know. there's nothing like they didn't zoom in on okay. ants and try and use footage of actual ants. Until two days before they started shooting, this was going to be in color and 3D. Wow. Because it was 3D, uh, they couldn't use opticals. They couldn't use enlarged insects. Yeah. They couldn't do stop motion. It had to be full-scale props. Okay. So they built... Well, this, this technician named Dick Smith built 
two full-size ants and then they had lots of like uh, simpler uh, simpler ones that just move in in the wind machine yeah um, and and partial props and things like that right but, yeah they built these things and they were like colored kind of greeny blue and they had like these red and blue eyes which had this kind of uh, mixed effect so like when the light was passing to the lenses that you would kind of st- the eyes would look alive and wow so it was all designed for 3d and you can see all those shots with like the antenna coming at you or uh, flamethrowers going into your face yeah. and stuff like that it's not it's not like you know blunt it's not you know like a yo-yo in your face or anything yeah but, uh, <laughs> so why didn't they yeah. well this was from warner brothers right mm-hmm so the head of Warner Brothers was Jack Warner, and he did not want to make a giant ant movie. Yeah. So uh, he uh, so like two days before they started shooting, he uh, he cut the budget. Oh. Um, yeah, and he he he'd actually got the script, <clears throat> and uh, he he was in the process of selling it to Twentieth Century Fox. Oh. And uh, and then when this producer, uh, uh, Ted Sherman saw how much fox was offering for it uh he 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 realized it was a you know this was gold yeah yeah so he snatched it back and pushed it through got it made nice. and, and then it became the biggest hit of the year for that studio well and jack warner still didn't like it it's <laughs> a little bad a little he just didn't like ants yeah he just didn't want his because his studio was known for like crime movies and mm-hmm. you know serious dramas and things like that yeah he probably didn't want like his judgment being questioned or his ego right. being bruised right if, you know it seems like that's those characters yeah there's a lot about uh, we we talked or i talked briefly about that uh, other podcast called you must remember this which i didn't know how big and successful that thing really is that other podcast Mm -hmm. um apparently it's it's the one that wins all the awards that one and serial um but but uh but she did a whole thing about the studio system and uh you know warner and all of mgm and warner and all those and like what was up with them at the time (laughs) and yeah it's so dumb that somebody would think um you know that that their nonsense is more important than the success of a movie but uh, it was successful anyway, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. And we still have it. Okay. Big ants. Big ants. <laughs> we, we could talk for two hours and three minutes if you want. Excellent. <laughs> right. So I, I do love this movie. So th- as far as giant creatures, not counting Godzilla, mm-hmm. um, where does this rank in your favorites? Uh, oh, it's definitely the best of the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. American giant monster movies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this year you had the Godzilla was coming out in Japan, like the end of the year. But oh, uh, so you saying it, this it, is better than beginning to the end, where they put grasshoppers on <laughs> postcards? <laughs> Another Roger Corman, I believe, or was that Bert I Gordon? I don't remember. Uh, Bert I Who's Gordon. keeping score? Bert I Gordon, yeah, big Mister Big. So. Jolian, what what was your first experience with this? Do you remember the first time you saw this? Yes. Tell us about it. Um, so I would have been perfect age. I'd be the age of the little girl at the start. Uh, so Equally really, traumatized? BBC Two, early evenings, so, you know, back from school. And uh, BBC Two would run science fiction classics. And uh, at, so at the time, it would have been 1950s 
movies that were running at that time of day. Yeah. And uh, so the... So it was like the day the Earth stood still, Forbidden Planet, the Incredible Shrinking Man, oh, the good ones, them, yeah. And so I was just that—that that was it. This yeah, is, these are the best things I've yeah. ever seen. Them was just so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because it opens up with this shot of the desert, and the, I mean, you guys, you were born in the desert. Yeah. You? So uh, I had never seen a desert. Oh, okay. This was just exotic. This was just this dreamscape to start with. I might as well have been looking at a Dali, you know, one of those deserts. Yeah. Completely alien concept, and uh, and then you get this these weird sound effects. Not not you know before the ants. Uh huh. You get this this wind. That was the sound of the desert for me. Oh, it's okay. Like this, who who was it? Did the sound? Um, yeah, Francis J. Sheed did the sound and sound effects by William Miller. But um, yeah, that, that that keening wind that comes in when when it starts to get dark and the, the sand starts kicking up and when it goes high pitched, it kind of gets distorted. Yeah, uh, that was just wonderful. And it was the whole film just felt like a dream. Yes. Yeah, it just felt. It I saw it about. So... I was probably about the same age, same yeah. sort of thing. It came on TV, and my folks made me watch it. Yeah. It was just like wow. This movie yeah, is fantastic. So good. That one and uh, the thing, the original thing. Yeah, I didn't see that for quite a while. Oh, I saw that when I was a kid. That was one of my folks' favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually kind of disappointed by John Carpenter's when I finally got to see it, because <laughs> I had such affinity for the original. That, yeah. You know, yeah, I can see that. I don't know why. Just him coming in at the end in shadows, kind of creepier and then you know i didn't see the john carpenter one until much later so okay i think i saw the carpenter one first which i do love yeah and i i don't have any stats up for james arness but he he had to have been six two or six he four was a big he was six guy. four was he six it looks six four like yeah. it's hard to tell because a lot of guys back then weren't as tall mm-hmm. as like the giants we have these days but he was gigantic and yeah. just he looked like that heroic character yeah. Like, you know, he would kick somebody's ass. Right. I think they put him probably on stilts, too, or something. <laughs> but, but the weird thing in this movie, like, he's he's ostensibly the lead man. Uh-huh. And yeah. then there's the woman who's, like, the romantic interest. But I th- for me, the, the, the hero is, like, uh, the James Whitmore character, the uh, Sergeant Ben Peterson. Yeah. Because you see him at the start. And then he's he, he gets caught up in the mystery straight away. And then he's he's, like, sympathetic with the girl. Because mm-hmm. like it starts off with like uh, uh, there's a couple of state troopers are driving down the highway in the middle of this desert, and uh, and then the, and there's a spot plane going around, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the, the plane sees this little girl and she's wandering through the desert with, with these like really weird looking trees, which you know I later found out were like Joshua trees and things like that. Yeah. And uh, it just it just looks like Mars to me. It might as well have been Mars. Yeah. And uh, and she's wandering around. She's wearing a, a nightgown. Mm-hmm. And she's carrying a doll with a broken off head. Yeah. It's, like, heart, it's not even a, a missing head. It's like half of his head is cracked off. Yeah. And it's just this beautiful, you know, truly surreal image. And and uh, and, they, and then, so he he like he he. He's the first to run to her and cuddle her and take care of her. Mm-hmm. So like, as a kid, you're like immediately, oh, this is this cool kind of this, father figure yeah. kind of guy. And so you're rooting to him. And apparently, like, um, 
you know, I know I did, but like when this film came out, what happens to him at the end of the film? Kids were crying. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's it terrible. It still works. That ending is so good. Yeah, but that, that was so shocking. That was the first time that a hero had had died in a movie that I'd ever seen. Yeah, um, yeah. And the, and the two things you mentioned about the girl, um, her nightgown and her doll, those are two things that were instrumental in him kind of piecing together that she did belong to that trailer. Yes. Because you find that scrap of fabric in that piece of the doll's head. Yes, yes. So he's he's a good detective. And he doesn't and he doesn't spill it out, but she's obviously escaped the disaster by hiding in that little like cabinet under yeah. the bench in the trailer. So he figures it out, and it, and he doesn't spell it out for you. It's kind of treats the audience as smart. Smart. <laughs> Believe it or not, not they're... like movies now where they have to tell you everything <laughs> two or three times. <laughs> Spoon feeding it to the dummies. Yeah. So, so the little girl was played played by uh, Sandy Desher, and I think this was her second film. She she'd been in a film called It, it Grows on Trees, mm. which is this fantasy film I'd I've never seen uh, from 1952, where where money grows on trees. Oh. Never seen it. But after this, she was in this movie called The Prodigal. Okay. Which is one of those Bible epics. Uh huh. It's got Lana Turner in it. Nice. Have you ever seen that one? I have oh, not nice. seen it. It's this no. really, it's really nice looking color, uh, uh, very you know, baroque kind of design to it. Um, but that movie's got this like certain statue of this pagan god in it, which turns up in movies afterwards. Oh, okay. It's this like this multi armed like it's got this like a uh, kind of uh, ebony like skin, and it's got these kind of bull horns and things like that. And you see it in like Atlantis, the Lost Continent, and stuff. Okay. And you can look it up online. It's got its own website. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. Like people have bought it, and like it's sitting in this like back garden of somewhere in, in the Midwest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's um, uh, Sandy Desher, and the and the cop is played by James Whitmore, and he he'd won the Best Supporting Actor for this war movie called Battleground mm -hmm. in uh, 1949, which is a really good movie. Yeah, uh, have you seen that one? I've not seen that one. I don't think so. But he's he's uh, he was in a movie called The Next Voice You Hear, nineteen fifty. But he didn't do much uh, like fantasy stuff. He was in Planet of the Apes as one of the ape council, and he was in The Relic uh, from nineteen ninety seven. Oh wow! I really? You think he's a librarian or something in that one? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have seen The Relic. But he's so good. He, he did like tons of TV and westerns and yeah, yeah. You, you recognize his face. Re really good face. So, um, so Doctor Harold um, Medford Medford um, was played by um, Edmund Gwen. Yeah, A.K.A. Santa Claus right. <laughs> from um, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yes. What, what, was he, uh, what was he called in that movie? He was called uh, Chris Kringle. Chris it? Kringle. Yeah. yeah. It's like I know this voice. I know I know this actor, and he's not just like this, you know. Oh, he reminds me of Richard Attenborough or something mm -hmm. like that. It's there's something more here, and I'm trying right. to figure it out. So I pulled it up on IMDb, and I went, "That's it. He's Santa Claus." <laughs> Santa Claus. And the other one you might know him from is The Trouble with Harry. Okay. The Hitchcock yeah. movie from the next year. So I think he only had two movies to go after this. Ah. Oh. And he died. Yeah, he was and born he in the 1800s or something. Yeah. Yeah, so he was an old man at this point. Right. So, um, 
yeah, this this movie was well written, well directed, mm-hmm. well cast. If only it had been in color <laughs> and three D. I, I like it in black and white because it's kind of it was kind of going for this kind of documentary feel. Yeah, yeah, it worked for me. Yeah, it it doesn't uh, it doesn't feel like it's lacking anything because it's in black and white. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I could see where you'd like it better. Just, sure. just the title is in color. Yeah, and the, them shoots out the screen. You know, there's that big three D. Yeah, thing like. So if you see it on home video, that's in color. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this started it all for the giant bugs and did it better than any of them that followed. Mm-hmm. Like none of none of the rest of them tried as hard as they should have. Yeah, they, they kind of copy the structure of the like the mystery. Mm-hmm. And what was the tarantula one? Tarantula. Tarantula. So that's just called tarantula. Earth versus spider. Yeah, I, I like Tarantula. It's a good movie. The one with Clint Eastwood as a fighter pilot? Yeah. That's Tarantula. That's just Tarantula. Yeah. That one's pretty good. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. Jack Arnold. Yeah. The Deadly Mantis uses Deadly the Mantis. same. That's got some good bits. Yeah. It's um, got a, unfortunately, it's got a kind of dull metal. Yeah. Uh, Monster from Green Hill, if you want to watch a dull giant <laughs> bug movie. <laughs> Monster from Green Hill. Oh, my God. I've not even heard of that one. It's like lots of... So the green hell with the title is the jungle. Mm-hmm. So there's there's people walking through the jungle and looking off at stock footage for oh, hours and okay, hours yeah. and hours and hours. And then you finally get these giant wasps. Um, uh, good one is the black scorpion. Which is oh like yeah, the black scorpion is good. Yeah, yeah. When they go to Mexico and it's right, right. Been killing people or right. is it huge? Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's really big. It's it's got some good effects. Yeah, it tears up a train and stuff. Oh, and I would watch drooly. the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember it's got a lot of drool. It right. looks fantastic. Um, and then there's a bit where uh, they go down into the caverns, and there's it's kind of it's these bizarre primeval creatures, and it's kind of like this what the Spider Valley scene might have been like. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's done by the same animator, so that's a good scene and for any listeners who don't know what you're talking about that was the king kong lost footage yes okay from uh an episode a while back <laughs> right yeah and if you're not following it in sequence then you may not have heard us talk about that yet so um anything you feel they could have done differently julian or better i mean it, it's pretty ideal I, mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if we could call it the perfect movie but it's pretty ideal how it moves along yeah um Good locations with the LA stuff later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That shot at uh, Tiunga Wash, storm drains. Yeah, a lot of stuff's been filmed there. It's yeah, like, we were just talking about that. It's uh, the it's the Bronson Canyon of LA. But it, it wasn't that used at the time, was it? I, it's uh, been in some noir, isn't it? Yeah, it's been in the one one I know f- most of is uh, He Walks by Night. Right. And that came out in '48, so. Okay. Um, so when, when were those things actually built? Probably 20s, 20s or 30s. 30s yeah. New Deal sort of thing. Yeah, I imagine, yeah, exactly that. There's, there's a great car chase scene in Repo Man. Uh-huh. Where the Rodriguez brothers are chasing after uh, Harry Dean Stanton and uh, Emilio Estevez, whatever their characters are called. Yeah. Otto and Estevez. Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call him Harry Dean Stanton. Anyway, yeah, you know, that that's the first time I noticed them, like expressly noticed the, uh, what, do you, what do you call that, the the slanted walls of this um, mm-hmm. yeah. whole storm drain system. 
pretty cool. But yeah, they they did a nice job with uh, making everything that was on screen pretty believable, even when it yeah, and even when it, it wasn't. On it had its budget slashed, but it still looks good. You know, the, it you feel like there's a whole army of soldiers yeah, going since into they only this built thing. Two of and then the they ants got these, and... and they got these like all these jeeps roaring around the drains, and uh, you know, and they they can obviously film in difficult conditions and low light and stuff so there's, yeah. a, there's obviously money going into this and there's something cool about giant james arness with a machine gun or a yeah. flamethrower with a you know with the army helmet on his head well he, he was a he was a war veteran as was uh james whitmore they, they both look like they knew what they were doing yeah that's that's why they they handle the flamethrowers because like i think whitmore was in the pacific and uh, james arness he was in um he, he did a beach landing in europe and he was he was injured in the leg mm um but uh yeah, yeah he, he had lots of decorations for that i wonder what they thought when they saw that monster coming at him with a gun <laughs> <laughs> get him in the leg yeah so 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 uh james arness had done the the thing for another world yeah and uh two lost worlds but he he, he was like a friend of john wayne so they, they did like half a dozen movies together um he's most famous from gunsmoke oh yeah. yes yes so Wayne recommended him for Gunsmoke. Yeah. Yeah, he was um, always on the TV when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Gunsmoke was on a lot. I think Gunsmoke ran 20 seasons or something. Yeah. What was the deal? Star Trek got canceled because the um, network exec's wife wanted him to keep Gunsmoke. <laughs> Even when it was kind of past its yeah. proper numbers to, really? to justify it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why um, Star Trek disappeared sooner than it should have. Speaking of Star Trek, <laughs> Spock was in this too. Yeah, almost forgot to say that. Yes. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy is the. Yeah, he's the sergeant at the teletype. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's easy to spot. Yeah. 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 And he, he has a few lines. Yeah, even without the pointy ears, he's. Uh, yeah, they, they couldn't afford like top actors for this. So, but there's lots of people that became famous later on. Yeah. So you got, I, I think Edmund Gwen is the only one who's known really. But um, uh, you got William Shallot's in it. He was in a bunch of movies in the fifties, but he, and he's done tons of TV and, yeah. lot, and lots of people in the cast were in Twilight Zone and Star Trek and things like that. Like uh, William Shallot was in one of the episodes. He's he's the uh, ambulance guy. Oh, okay. The, near the start, who uh, oh. when they're loading the girl in the ambulance. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah he says he's going to take good care of her. I remember that. Yeah, yeah it's William Shallot. So he he was in Mighty Joe Young. And, the Man from Planet X, Captive Women, Invasion USA, Port Sinister, Sword of Venus. Invasion USA. <laughs> uh, this year uh, of them, he was in GOG, which came out the same month. Wow. He was in uh, Tobor the Great. Uh, and then uh, afterwards, he was in The Incredible Shrinking Man and The Model of Monsters. Wow. What was GOG? GOG is about this like supercomputer. Um, and they have these, like, uh, so they have the, the massive computers and then they have these like mobile uh, robots and one's called gog one's called magog after the old testament giants yeah yeah mm -hmm. and uh and of course things go wrong as they were that was shot in color in 3d i think oh nice oh. it was definitely in color yeah that was quite an interesting one and is the monolith monsters the one about the crystals that grow and yes. fall and break yes yeah one of one of our um co-workers at the old store 
had uh, talked about that movie, and I mm. thought that sounded really crazy. The premise of it is that this this giant crystal crash lands on Earth and then grows and then falls and breaks and becomes more crystals, which grow yeah. and eventually yeah. it's going to what fill up the planet and crush right. everything. Right. That's a great premise. Yeah, and it's uh, the, they look like these amazing abstract sculptures and just which become massive and then topple and crush houses and things like that. That sounds great. How has yeah. nobody stolen this idea <laughs> since? I mean, yeah. How has nobody stolen... Well, people have done more giant bug movies, but how has nobody gotten the idea to do like a remake of them and do it right? Uh, there was talk of doing it. Uh, I think 2005 is the last I heard of the remake being talked about. Ugh, let's not remake but, Yeah. It's good enough. I think, yeah, they could leave it alone. You just couldn't pull it off because, like, people couldn't look up stuff too easily. You just couldn't have giant ants. Now, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. It would have to be something Any else. Any other ant movies you've seen? I've seen Phase 4. I don't know this one. Yeah, that's that an one? excellent one. That is a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's about smart ants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I recommend Phase and 4. And then the, the other one that came out... Uh, in, at the same time as them was um, uh, The Naked Jungle with Charlton Heston. I think that was based on the story. Was, what's the name of the story? Something like Levington and the Ants. Yeah. It's about this plantation and there's, there's all these marching soldier ants that swarm in. Isn't on. that H.G. Wells? He did Empire of the Ants. Empire of the Ants, that's similar, what I'm thinking. Where they go down the, the Amazon or wherever. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, ants that are taking over whole regions. Yeah, the, the normal sized ants. Yeah, not to be confused with Kingdom of the Spiders, right? The William Shatner classic, they, or Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. There was a, <laughs> a film of Empire and the Ants in the seventies, I think, with Joan Collins in it. Yeah, yeah. And then they ripped it off for a MacGyver episode. I remember. They... <laughs> oh, that's awful! Why would they do that? Oh, it was a self-serving move, I'm sure. But it's MacGyver. <laughs> he you need to it. put him in situations that he needs to use his talents because you just can't use them every day, you know. Right. One of the things that excited me about this movie was the uh, the uh, story was by George Worthing Yates. Oh. And I was, I was desperate to find out his relation, but he was not. Oh. I was just, oh, I would have been so proud. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he he wrote a bunch of these these things. He, he wrote, like, Conquest of Space, and it came from beneath the sea. Okay. Earth versus the Flying Saucers. He worked on King Kong versus Godzilla, the American script. Ah. And uh, he, he took the idea for this giant ant story to George Powell, but George Powell was doing The Naked Jungle. Okay. And uh, and he had this early draft where uh, the uh, hero was this uh, Indian named Juan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he teamed up with someone from the Office of Indian Affairs named Jack Weed, and <laughs> uh, and I think the climax he ends up in the uh, drains in um, New York. Okay. But uh, yeah, the, it, and there's always like uh, ants in like the department stores in New York and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was like way out of the budget of what they yeah. could have done <laughs> at the time. So uh, that got taken over. Um, uh, so the later drafts were by Russell Hughes, who who, who started working on it, and then he, he had a heart attack and died. And then uh, there was another draft by the producer who, who like pushed it through, named Ted Sherman. 
and uh, maybe if they've remade the original script, it might be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because you could have big ants in the department store. Right. That would be pretty cool. You'd have to explain away how they their legs could manage that size, and also the the their breathing apertures would be too large for them to. Yeah. When they were giant. People can accept other things. Big ants aren't that big to swallow. Well, the the trouble with <laughs> big with, ants with stupid science coming in and ruining the day. I, I listened to I listened to this podcast called Stuff to Blow Your Mind, and they talked about giant stuff uh-huh. and why it can't be. Yeah, and they explain why this amount of gravity you can't just scale up a bug or a person mm-hmm. because they would crush themselves under their own weight. Yeah, it's the same reason, you know, an ant falls off the table. It doesn't get killed. Right. Because it doesn't weigh anything. It's tiny. Right. <laughs> so you can't make the thing 12 feet long. It'll just... But, fuck, people are into zombies and aliens and all sorts of shit yeah. that's not real. Yeah, I don't need I think to be big real. ants could work. Mm-hmm. I don't understand people's, like... Ugh. People who talk about Game of Thrones being, oh, it's 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 realistic. It's got dragons, people, and zombies. No. Ice this, zombies. There's this British writer named uh, uh, Peter Haining, I think. Was it Peter Haining or Peter Underwood? Uh, but he 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 ex- he did this like documentary where he explained how dragons could have existed. Oh, really? And he said you can apply this to any given classic monster and, and come up. And he, he didn't actually believe it. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was just like a, a thinking exercise how how dragons could have existed and, uh-huh. and and all the arguments you can come up with about how you know why why this why that he can explain away just oh. by imagining stuff. So you know, just think of anything that a dragon's supposed to do, and yeah. he can explain how it work. Breathing fire. Well, so that in order to fly, they have to take in they use helium like flammable gases. Oh, okay. And. Uh, uh, but they have to expel it at certain points, otherwise they'll blow Explode. up. And if if they happen to be over a village at the time, well, it sounds plausible now. <laughs> I was thinking they were just pteranodons. If they were if they were full of flammable gases, uh, then upon death they 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 like they could just burn up. Yeah. Uh, if they were if they were that hot. They'd need something that wouldn't catch fire when they lay down on it to sleep. So they'd need to bring in something like a soft metal. So they'd hoard gold. Gold, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember everything he said. but That's pretty good. I yeah, like that. It was, it, was, it was really interesting. That works. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm, I'm willing to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't understand people's obsession with things being realistic. I don't even need, yeah. like, speech... Right dialogue to be realistic in a movie mm-hmm. i mean i never forget that i'm watching a movie yeah right i'm not slow <laughs> yeah if, if the audience is willing to suspend its disbelief uh then they should be you know, kind enough to extend that a little further you know you know as long as it obeys its own logic yes, yes. i'm okay with it yeah if it, it's when it you know it doesn't make any sense internally for the movie it doesn't doesn't work, but big ants don't bother yeah. me just because they couldn't work in reality. Right. Well, that... One of the key things is that you just have one completely implausible thing. Yes. That you've got to swallow. Yes. And and it proceeds from there. It's got to follow the logic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You can't throw too many things in. No. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I don't know what that that's about, but it seems like, you know, the last 30 years or so, people have really been on, oh, it's got to be realistic. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, uh, like when I was a little kid, fantasy movies were this like minor, minority thing. Mm-hmm. Now that's all there is. Yeah. And people are watching like superheroes and giant robots and uh, transforming you know, spaceships and everything. Uh-huh. But it's got to be realistic. It's got to be realistic, which I don't get. Yeah. So like if you were after realism, you'd be watching Ingmar Bergman or... Exactly. There's, yeah, don't give me you that. know, plenty of social <laughs> realism out there right, yeah. to watch that doesn't involve people flying. Yeah, people be flocking to the theater. Yeah. Seeing, like, you know, realistic dramas. But yeah. they're not. They want to watch... They want to watch completely implausible things, but have it delivered have it. so they don't have to use their imagination at all. Oh, it's realistic. You know, the least plausible thing that you will see in a movie is somebody who's getting somewhere um, during any time of the day in a vehicle without getting stuck in traffic <laughs> or finding an actual parking spot anywhere near the place they're going. <laughs> That's way less plausible than a giant fucking ant, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, people will pick their battles for whatever reason. <laughs> Um, I, I think if it, if it's believable to your eye at all, just go with it, have fun, yeah. enjoy your entertainment. That's why it's called entertainment. Well, yeah. And well, them, I always forget to time it, but you don't see the ants for quite a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just hear them. It's got to be a good 30 minutes, right? And, uh, and no one has any idea what they're up against until they suddenly just appear. Yeah. Can you imagine when this movie opened? Oh my God. Like going in and not knowing what what the big monster yeah. was going to be or well, apparently i've read like reports you know from the time and 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 people who were kids at the time going to see this and they were, people were screaming yeah. yeah because you had this really this eerie sound that was freaking people out <laughs> and then this like head will come out over dune and and uh the adults in this movie are scared men and women it's not yeah it's really equal opportunity like the men scream away yeah Oh, there is a Wilhelm scream. There's a in this. Wilhelm scream. Do you have that written down too? I do. And uh, shall I go into that? Yeah. Uh, there's the classic Wilhelm scream at the end. There's soldiers going through the tunnels, and this beam comes down his head, right? Yep. And it's the Wilhelm scream, right? Uh, okay. Does everyone know what the Wilhelm? Yeah. Scream? I'll insert one here when we're doing the editing, but okay. Go ahead. Yes. You can explain what it is. So the Wilhelm scream comes from this movie called Distant Drums, 1951, also at Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers created this scream in post, probably done by Sheb Woolley. Okay. Later known for Purple People Eater. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, this scream was also used in this western called The Charge at Feather River. And it comes out of the mouth of Private Wilhelm. Ah, and these sound guys, I think at ILM was it, picked up. There's some sound editors picked up on the fact that they kept hearing this certain scream, mm-hmm. and then they traced it back as far as the charge at Feather River, and they named it after Private Wilhelm. Oh, okay. So it became the Wilhelm scream. 
Um, and two of the cast of them were also in The Charge of Feather River. Interesting. Hmm. Um, Onslow Stevens, who plays Brigadier General O'Brien, and uh, Dub Taylor, who is one of the many character actors. Yes. Uh, he's in tons of westerns. He's in The Wild Punch and stuff. But they yeah. were both in The Charge of Feather River. So before I took us careening down this whole tangent about Wilhelm screams, you were saying that basically these children were feeling like they were in peril because the adults in the movie were terrified and yeah. they were not used to seeing adults it's, being terrified. Yeah, it's treated, I mean, there's humor in the movie, definitely, but it's sure. treated as this crime drama. You do, nothing, there's this weird sounds. Mm-hmm. and uh, Destruction. But as far as all the adults, like the cops, are concerned, there's this maniac who's going around like smashing through walls and and for some reason taking sugar and then doing you know really gruesome mayhem to the you know you don't see it really but yeah you're told that these people have like broken necks and smashed smashed in ribs and yeah uh uh and and you know hacked off arms and things like that uh, as if they've fallen into industrial machinery yeah but like no money is stolen and 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 but vast amounts of sugar are being taken. Yeah. So you don't know what's going on, and the title is just them. It's not like the Black Scorpion where you know at some point this <laughs> Black Scorpion is going to appear. Them will show up, but what yeah. is them? So at the time, you know, pre-internet and everything, and then uh, you wouldn't know unless you saw the poster. Yeah. The, the poster was the giveaway because um, there's an ant face on it, but uh, the trailer doesn't give it away, does it? The trailer does. Does it? Yeah, but I, you know, back then, I, you're not. It, it's not certain that you'd see the trailer if you're outside of a big city. Right. Uh, so chances are, a lot of kids were going into this not knowing what. Yeah. What they were going to see. Yeah, they just knew it was their kind of movie, mm-hmm. and they had whatever it was, ten cents or whatever at the right, time. Right. It's insane. So. Yeah, and then this thing suddenly appears, and there's like poor uh, Doctor Medford, like uh, Joan Weldon, is <laughs> stuck out there, and like, the wind's blowing around her, and this this huge ant comes over the dune, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's an excellent scene. Yeah, yeah. It, it's wonderful. Like they, when when we talked about doing this one, I couldn't pull up in my rolodex of my mind like which giant bug movie was this. And I didn't recall it being the original and one that was actually this good. Mm-hmm. So it was such a pleasant surprise, you know, because a lot of times those movies, if they were just following some formula and they weren't very sincere in making a movie, mm-hmm. of course you're going to kind of laugh at it because you can see where they don't care and where they cut corners and where they're treating the audience like they're gullible. And <laughs> this one doesn't do any of that, no. which is amazing. Yeah. So I, it was a, such a pleasant surprise to yeah. see this and, you know, having not seen it since I was probably a child and just loved it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, highly recommended. Yeah. Do, do you recognize here. any other uh, character actors in this? They all looked familiar. I will say that there wasn't a single person who walked across the screen that didn't look like right. <laughs> they were in 10 other things. So one of the, so when they, they get, they get brought down to, uh, Texas to see this pilot. Uh huh. Who's being kept in this, like, uh, yeah, that guy was super familiar. Who know, was that? That was Fess Parker. Oh, who's known for Davy Crockett? Yeah, he was spotted for Davy Crockett because of this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, the they were thinking of uh, James Arness playing Davy Crockett, 
uh, for, for Disney. That would have worked too. Um, but he went, he went into gun smoke. But anyway, uh, Walt Disney was watching this movie, and he was he was watching the Fess Parker character instead because he's he was this guy who's like whatever everyone is around him is saying and you know, just calling him crazy. He was sticking to his story and like, yeah, uh, and being really convincing about it. And he looked he looked heroic, and he had that nice kind of drawl, that yeah. kind of twang to his to his speech. Yeah, Alan Crotty is his character name, <laughs> but yeah, he's really good. And then it. Um, yeah, and then then the other guy that they go to see, like the drunk, yeah, Jensen, the drunk who like who like, you know, in a roundabout way lets them know where the ants are in Los Angeles. Right. He's a, uh, the actor's name is Olin Howlin, uh, who was born right here in Denver. Oh, uh-huh. really? Uh, he was in the Return of Doctor X. Okay. And Gone with the Wind, both in 1939. Oh, <laughs> so that's quite a year, and. He his last role was uh, as the drunk in the blob. Oh. He's the first victim in the blob. Oh, good. Pokes it with a stick. Yeah, always a terrible idea. Yeah, so we should like, watch the blob at some point. Yeah, exactly. how many blobs have there been? Three or just two? Three officially. Yeah, well, the the original. There's, there's been several blob movies, but yeah, it's the '58 original. Yeah, and then there's 85? the Beware the Blob, the Larry Hagman one in the '70s. Okay. And, and then, then there's they the remake. Did the remake in the 80s. 85? 88. 88? Okay. I, know, I went and but saw really that good, in the theater. It? Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I remember being freaked out by it as a yeah, kid. Yeah, they really, it really nice. do a good characterization of the blob. Which, yeah. one, which one has the guy in the gorilla suit crash into the blob? I don't know that one. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm making that up in my head. <laughs> Seemed like there was a guy leaving a costume party. And he comes around a corner and... He sees it and he tries to break and he skids right into it. It seems like he was wearing a gorilla costume. Gorilla costume. Wow, I don't remember I don't that. Remember that. Hey, I could be making it's that up. It's been a long time since I've seen either it The Blob be... or The Remake. <sighs> or The Sun of The Blob. Anyone know where you can get a good gorilla costume but cheap? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, we all know. So, uh, any other... And we got uh, the cast. That so Dr. Medford, Dr. Patricia Medford is played by Joan Weldon. She'd done a couple of Westerns with um, Randolph Scott, um, like The Stranger Wore a Gun, which is a good one. That was a 3D Western. The nice. Stranger Wore Nothing but, she, but a Gun. She was mostly known for a singing. Oh. Uh, she didn't really do that that many movies. She did, did a bunch of TV. Like A lot of these people did lots of Westerns on TV. and Yeah. Twilight Zones and stuff. Um and uh, yeah, I was talked about Onslow Stevens. Oh, you got Dub Dub Taylor plays the Yard Watchman. He was in Mister Smith Goes to Washington. He's one of the two people in this movie connected with Evil Knievel movies. Oh, oh, Viva Knievel! And I looked this up. The director, right. yeah, uh, D- Douglas uh, Gordon Gord- Douglas. Gordon Douglas uh, directed Viva Knievel. Yes, and uh, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, he. Um, let's see. Yeah, he, he did the other Evil Knievel movie, Evil Knievel, 1971. And that was the um, Evil Knievel starred in that one. Mm. He right. was in Viva Knievel. Evil Knievel? Evil Knievel was in Viva Knievel. Yes. Who, who did he play in Viva Knievel? He played <laughs> Evil Knievel in Viva Knievel. <laughs> no, wasn't that, what's his face, George? Uh... He was Evil Knievel, not his, his good brother. Good, <laughs> good Knievel. <laughs> No, Viva Knievel, yeah, I've seen that one. It's got, like, Gene Kelly in it. Mm. 
Who was who was I think it's maybe his last film. <laughs> who was the star of that one? Uh, the tan guy. George. Oh, jeez. Why am I spacing this out? George Harrison? <laughs> From the Beatles? No. no. Uh, George Hamilton? George Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, he played Evil Knievel. Okay. And apparently Evil Knievel hated it and then wanted to make his own Evil Knievel movie. So that must be the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The first one must have. Yeah. Because Viva Knievel does have Evil Knievel in it. And he's not a good actor. And it's not a good movie. I have to look this up now because I, I want to make sure we're getting getting this right. Who the hell cares if we're accurate? I tell lies all the time on this show. <laughs> when, anyway, uh, Dub Taylor was in, uh, oh, it's in tons of westerns. He was, yeah. in, he was in like Wild Bunch and everything. Uh, he was in um, Creature from Black Lake in 76, Burnt Offerings in 76. And one of his last movies was Back to the Future 3. Oh. Okay. Will, you're absolutely right. E- Viva Knievel was the one with Evil Knievel in it. Um, yeah. So the other one must be the one with... I think it came out in 76? 77. 77, all right. And somehow it's an hour and 46 minutes long. <laughs> Fuck, it only feels like about eight hours. <laughs> it's so dull and dumb. <laughs> Doesn't get a recommendation from me. All right, let's see. Uh... Evil Knievel. I can't find the other one in here, but it doesn't matter. Now we know the truth. All right. So the other thing about uh, the Joan Weldon character, she's really kind of strong woman. She stands up to yeah all the, the, the rubbish that James Arnest is throwing at her. Uh, yeah, he kind of thinks she's going to be an easy target yeah. for his advances kind of early on because he makes some remark like, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she gets her skirt caught up on the, when she's coming out the the hatch and the like that refitted bomber she gets out of right and uh so he's like uh, admiring her legs and he's like oh all right but yeah she she establishes this like uh you see in a lot of 50s movies like uh there'd be a scientist with a daughter mm-hmm. so she's that yeah. and she's also the scientist with a male name who turns out to be a woman it's like yes. the heroes like does a double take it's like, oh, i didn't know you'd be a woman yes so she's is. introduces pat and or Doctor Doctor uh, Medford and a woman doctor. I mean, yes, it's a woman. They make <laughs> that's the most unbelievable thing yet. <laughs> They've got male nurses now too. Who'd have thought? <laughs> so, do we cover it all pretty well? Uh, yeah. Are we missing any any important? I looked up. Um, you know that there's a scene where the um, one of the the queen ants gets onto a ship. Mm-hmm. And it's the SS Viking, and I wonder what that was a reference to, because hmm. oh. that sounds like an unusual yeah. name for a ship. Uh, I don't, th- I don't know if it's a direct reference, but the SS Viking in real life, uh, in 1931, there was a, it was used for this. Um, they were filming a documentary about um, seal hunting off Newfoundland. Okay, and uh, they they brought back all this footage of like icebergs cracking and seal seal clobbering and uh the uh this whoever was funding it wanted more sensational footage so they loaded the boat with dynamite to go back up to newfoundland and blow the hell out of the ice get some more spectacular footage wow and uh so they got stuck in ice and then the dynamite detonated and it killed 28 of the the film crew Wow. Which is still the largest ever loss of a film production crew. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 
yeah, that must be what they're referencing there. <laughs> so, you know, like that's everyone a gets wiped. Yeah, because yeah. like the film in the film, the, uh, the this navy ship like pulls up alongside the SS Viking and blows it out of the water. Just yeah, completely what, gets rid of it. What was that ship that arrived with um, with no crew? Mary uh, Celeste. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that was referenced in the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Was it? Yeah, they had the name on the oh, side yeah, of the yeah. house was M. Celeste. Oh, that's right. <clears throat> and I wrote down, what is this referring to? And yeah. then Jolian knew when we were talking about that movie. I kind of want to read up on that a little and mm-hmm. find out oh, what, yeah, what sure. the hell it's happened. Oh, yeah, sure. It's an amazing story. And the other thing, that, uh, like watching it again, I wondered about uh, when they're investigating the crimes at the start, they, they refer to it as a 914. Huh. And uh, I wondered what that code was because the only police codes... I know from back then, like, 10-something. Uh, well, they had a lot of them, at least in Los Angeles. Yeah. Because uh, they only got rid of those numbers really recently. Yeah, so I don't know what a 914 well, I looked be. it up. Okay. And apparently, uh, a 914 is a request for a detective to be sent to the location. Oh. Usually in order to help find a missing person. Huh. So it would have been correct All for, right. for New Mexico. And thanks to Snoop Dogg, we all know what a 187 is. <laughs> and, okay, and then, all right, last thing I'll hit you with. Okay. Can you think of a band that was named after this movie? Let's see, Them. Um, Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Van Morrison's band, formed in 1964. Yeah. Uh they wanted to come up with a new name because it was Van Morrison and there's a bunch of guys who'd be in this band called, I think it was the Gangsters or something. Yeah. Uh, but they had this keyboardist named Eric Rickson and he suggested naming it after this movie. That's really cool. So 10 Damn. years later, it became Eric, um, Van Morrison's band. The, them. Them. Famous for Gloria. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's always interesting to find out how bands chose their names. Well, it's not always interesting, but it's occasionally interesting. All right. Well, it seems like we covered Them, the 1954 classic, really well. Them Ants. Them Ants. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Watch it. Watch it twice. I do understand that there's a lot of young people who won't watch something if it's in black and white. I think they need to get over it. Mm-hmm. Watch some stuff in black and white. And they lost. Yeah. You're, you're missing That's out on loss. a lot. You're missing out. Yeah. You don't need gore. You don't need blood. You don't even need to see the murder happen or the mayhem or whatever. And you don't need color. You know, you... Yeah. Hell, you don't even need sound. <laughs> this is true. You don't. Because I watched a whole bunch of rock and roll nightmare with just... Well, there was a little bit of sound. <laughs> the first time Emily came over my flat was... Uh, uh, we watched them. Oh, Did you? Yeah. Excellent. Man. Oh, I'm going to get on with her. You got some. Sure, she likes this. You got some mad game, Jolian. There you go. <laughs> I gotta say, it's like, how am I gonna close this deal? Let's see. Them. Them. So, did you ask her? What's the most romantic film I can think of? Them. Well, you know, no. romantic films are too on the nose. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought, no, I I'll understand. show her a movie that I really love. Yeah. And see what she thinks. Of it. Yeah, if, exactly. And if you can't handle this, you can't handle me. Yeah, probably. Yeah, something. Like that is probably... Eugenia had the same sort of thing. If she went over to someone's house, like when we started dating, she'd check out their music collection. And if they had like Rush or <laughs> I don't remember else, Pink Floyd, some band she hated, she'd be like, that's it. The date's over. Okay. But she went over and looked at my CDs and 
deem me all right. <laughs> Do you know that famous John Waters quote about books? He, mm, sa- he yes. says, if you go to someone's house and they don't have books, don't fuck them. Right. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Way to go, John Waters. You summed it up. It is so weird to go to someone's house and they have no books. Yeah. Yeah. So is this the showroom? Yeah. Where, where are the books? Yeah. Yeah, I remember the um, when I had first moved to Denver, uh, Jolien, when you came over, you, you parked yourself at my bookcase and just looked through all these... I have a lot of crazy coffee table books, as, yeah, the, as they're called. Great stuff. All those tiki yeah. books. And things. Yeah, a lot of reference materials for different things. And uh, and you must have spent about half an hour just looking through those books. <laughs> sorry. I no, it was oh, good. That's usually what sorry. I do. I'll end up looking <laughs> at people's social. books. Yeah, I always have when I was a kid. Yeah. You know? I always my, am... my parents would always know where to find me at the end of some boring party. Yeah. Or yeah. Who, who'll be looking at the books. He's in the library. <laughs> yeah, I always like it when people find my books and look through them because – I have accumulated some fun ones along the way. All right, let's call it a show, why don't we? Okay. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening. And um, as we mentioned earlier, you can find us on Stitcher and SoundCloud and iTunes and maybe some other stuff we don't know about. But the important thing to get us noticed by other listeners is to, well, tell them or give us a, give us a favorable review and um, rate, review, subscribe, as we always like to say. And uh, once again, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us intro creature features at the top of the show. And uh, are we going to do Green Room? Yeah. The, the Green Room yeah, for next time? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, let's do it. So, so uh, if anyone wants to be ready for next show, we're going we're gonna to talk about a movie none of us have seen yet called mm-hmm. Green Room. Green Room. And uh, thank you for it's listening. It's about being backstage. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> and they left the brown M and M's in. <laughs> yeah, horror. Man, the you horror. made a you made a Van Halen reference right yeah. here on this show, man. <laughs> man, you threw the gauntlet down. <laughs> Van Halen, y'all. Van Halen. <laughs> Too uh, bad it wasn't Twisted Sister twist? or Van Morrison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I did mention Twisted Sister earlier, so yeah. Well, that's why it would have been a good callback. Yeah. We, we should get Dee Snyder on. He lives in Colorado Springs, doesn't he? I don't know. Does he? I've he not heard that. Movies. We should if find he, out where he, he, he lives. Did anyway. If he does, man, I got someone there who could keep an eye out. Yeah, he loves horror us. movies. He, he made one, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been know. in some stuff. All right. Okay. All right. Call Stay off show? the moor. Stay out the desert, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>